Chapter One of Anne of Geierstein or The Maiden of the Mist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Anne of Geierstein or The Maiden of the Mist by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter One the mists boil up around the glaciers clouds rise curling fast beneath me white and sulphurous like foam from the roused ocean i am giddy manfred the course of four centuries has well-nigh elapsed since the series of events which are related in the following chapters took place on the continent the records which contained the outlines of the history and might be referred to as proof of its veracity were long preserved in the superb library of the monastery of st gall but perished with many of the literary treasures of that establishment when the convent was plundered by the french revolutionary armies the events are fixed by historical date to the middle of the fifteenth century that important period when chivalry still shone with a setting ray soon about to be totally obscured in some countries by the establishment of free institutions in others by that of arbitrary power which alike rendered useless the interference of those self-endowed redressers of wrongs whose only warrant of authority was the sword amid the general light which had recently shone upon europe france burgundy and italy but more especially austria had been made acquainted with the character of a people of whose very existence they had before been scarcely conscious it is true that the inhabitants of those countries which lie in the vicinity of the alps that immense barrier were not ignorant that notwithstanding their rugged and desolate appearance the secluded valleys which winded among those gigantic mountains nourished a race of hunters and shepherds men who living in a state of primeval simplicity compelled from the soil a subsistence gained by severe labor followed the chase over the most savage precipices and through the darkest pine forests or drove their cattle to spots which afforded them a scanty pasturage even in the vicinage of eternal snows but the existence of such a people or rather of a number of small communities who followed nearly the same poor and hardy course of life had seemed to the rich and powerful princes in the neighborhood a matter of as little consequence as it is to the stately herds which repose in a fertile meadow that a few half-starved goats find their scanty food among the rocks which overlook their rich domain but wonder and attention began to be attracted towards these mountaineers about the middle of the fourteenth century when reports were spread abroad of severe contests 
in which the german chivalry endeavouring to suppress insurrections among their alpine vassals had sustained repeated and bloody defeats although having on their side numbers and discipline and the advantage of the most perfect military equipment then known and confided in great was the wonder that cavalry which made the only efficient part of the feudal armies of these ages should be routed by men on foot that warriors sheathed in complete steel should be overpowered by naked peasants who wore no defensive armor and were irregularly provided with pikes halberts and clubs for the purpose of attack above all it seemed a species of miracle that knights and nobles of the highest birth should be defeated by mountaineers and shepherds but the repeated victories of the swiss at lapin sempac and on other less distinguished occasions plainly intimated that a new principle of civil organization as well as of military movements had arisen amid the stormy regions of helvetia still although the decisive victories which obtained liberty for the swiss cantons as well as the spirit of resolution and wisdom with which the members of the little confederation had maintained themselves against the utmost exertions of austria had spread their fame abroad through all the neighboring countries and although they themselves were conscious of the character and actual power which repeated victories had acquired for themselves and their country yet down to the middle of the fifteenth century and at a later date the swiss retained in a great measure the wisdom moderation and simplicity of their ancient manners so much so that those who were entrusted with the command of the troops of the republic in battle were wont to resume the shepherd's staff when they laid down the truncheon and like the roman dictators to retire to complete equality with their fellow-citizens from the eminence of military command to which their talents and the call of their country had raised them it is then in the forest cantons of switzerland in the autumn of fourteen seventy four while these districts were in the rude and simple state we have described that our tale opens two travellers one considerably past the prime of life the other probably two or three and twenty years old had passed the night at the little town of lucerne the capital of the swiss state of the same name and beautifully situated on the lake of the four cantons their dress and character seemed those of merchants of a higher class and while they themselves journeyed on foot the character of the country rendering that by far the most easy mode of pursuing their route a young peasant lad from the italian side of the alps followed them with a sumpter mule laden apparently with men's wares and baggage which he sometimes mounted but more frequently led by the bridle the travellers were uncommonly fine-looking men and seemed connected 
by some very near relationship probably that of father and son for at the little inn where they lodged on the preceding evening the great deference and respect paid by the younger to the elder had not escaped the observation of the natives who like other sequestered beings were curious in proportion to the limited means of information which they possessed they observed also that the merchants under pretence of haste declined opening their bales or proposing traffic to the inhabitants of lucerne alleging in excuse that they had no commodities fitted for the market the females of the town were the more displeased with the reserve of the mercantile travellers because they were given to understand that it was occasioned by the wares in which they dealt being too costly to find customers among the helvetian mountains for it had transpired by means of their attendant that the strangers had visited venice and had there made many purchases of rich commodities which were brought from india and egypt to that celebrated emporium as to the common mart of the western world and thence dispersed into all quarters of europe now the swiss maidens had of late made the discovery that gods and gems were fair to look upon and though without the hope of being able to possess themselves of such ornaments they felt a natural desire to review and handle the rich stores of the merchants and some displeasure at being prevented from doing so it was also observed that though the strangers were sufficiently courteous in their demeanour they did not evince that studious anxiety to please displayed by the travelling pedlars or merchants of lombardy or savoy by whom the inhabitants of the mountains were occasionally visited and who had been more frequent in their rounds of late years since the spoils of victory had invested the swiss with some wealth and had taught many of them new wants those peripatetic traders were civil and assiduous as their calling required but the new visitors seemed men who were indifferent to traffic or at least to such slender gains as could be gathered in switzerland curiosity was further excited by the circumstance that they spoke to each other in a language which was certainly neither german italian nor french but from which an old man serving in the cabaret who had once been as far as paris supposed they might be english a people of whom it was only known in these mountains that they were a fierce insular race at war with the french for many years and a large body of whom had long since invaded the forest cantons and sustained such a defeat in the valley of Reswil, as was well remembered by the grey-haired men of lucerne who received the tale from their fathers the lad who attended the strangers was soon ascertained to be a youth from the grissons country who acted as their guide so far as his knowledge of the mountains permitted he said they designed to go to bale but seemed desirous to travel by circuitous and unfrequented routes 
the circumstances just mentioned increased the general desire to know more of the travellers and of their merchandise not a bale however was unpacked and the merchants leaving lucerne next morning resumed their toilsome journey preferring a circuitous route and bad roads through the peaceful cantons of switzerland to encountering the exactions and rapine of the robber chivalry of germany who like so many sovereigns made war each at his own pleasure and levied tolls and taxes on every one who passed their domains of a mile's breadth with all the insolence of petty tyranny for several hours after leaving lucerne the journey of our travellers was successfully prosecuted the road though precipitous and difficult was rendered interesting by those splendid phenomena which no country exhibits in a more astonishing manner than the mountains of switzerland where the rocky pass the verdant valley the broad lake and the rushing torrent the attributes of other hills as well as these are interspersed with the magnificent and yet fearful horrors of the glaciers a feature peculiar to themselves it was not an age in which the beauties or grandeur of a landscape made much impression either on the minds of those who travelled through the country or who resided in it to the latter the objects however dignified were familiar and associated with daily habits and with daily toil and the former saw perhaps more terror than beauty in the wild region through which they passed and were rather solicitous to get safe to their night's quarters than to comment on the grandeur of the scenes which lay between them and their place of rest yet our merchants as they proceeded on their journey could not help being strongly impressed by the character of the scenery around them their road lay along the side of the lake at times level and close on its very margin at times rising to a great height on the side of the mountain and winding along the verge of precipices which sank down to the water as sharp and sheer as the wall of a castle descending upon the ditch which defends it at other times it traversed spots of a milder character delightful green slopes and lowly retired valleys affording both pasturage and arable ground sometimes watered by small streams which winded by the hamlet of wooden huts with their fantastic little church and steeple meandered round the orchard and the mount of vines and murmuring gently as they flowed found a quiet passage into the lake that stream arthur said the elder traveller as with one consent they stopped to gaze on such a scene as i have described resembles the life of a good and a happy man and the brook which hurries itself headlong down yon distant hill marking its course by a streak of white foam answered arthur what does that resemble that of a brave and unfortunate one replied his father the torrent for me said arthur a headlong course which no human force can oppose and then let it be as brief as it is glorious 
it is a young man's thought replied his father but i am well aware that it is so rooted in thy heart that nothing but the rude hand of adversity can pluck it up as yet the root clings fast to my heart's strings said the young man and methinks adversity's hand hath had a fair grasp of it you speak my son of what you little understand said his father know that till the middle of life be past men scarce distinguish true prosperity from adversity or rather they court as the favours of fortune what they should more justly regard as the marks of her displeasure look at yonder mountain which wears on its shaggy brow a diadem of clouds now raised and now depressed while the sun glances upon but is unable to dispel it a child might believe it to be a crown of glory a man knows it to be the signal of tempest arthur followed the direction of his father's eye to the dark and shadowy eminence of mount pilatus is the mist on yonder wild mountain so ominous then asked the young man demand of antonio said his father he will tell you the legend the young merchant addressed himself to the swiss lad who acted as their attendant desiring to know the name of the gloomy height which in that quarter seems the leviathan of the huge congregation of mountains assembled about lucerne the lad crossed himself devoutly as he recounted the popular legend that the wicked pontius pilate proconsul of judea had here found the termination of his impious life having after spent years in the recesses of that mountain which bears his name at length in remorse and despair rather than in penitence plunged into the dismal lake which occupies the summit whether water refused to do the executioner's duty upon such a wretch or whether his body being drowned his vexed spirit continued to haunt the place where he committed suicide antonio did not pretend to explain but a form was often he said seen to emerge from the gloomy waters and go through the action of one washing his hands and when he did so dark clouds of mist gathered first round the bosom of the infernal lake such it had been styled of old and then wrapping the whole upper part of the mountain in darkness presaged a tempest or hurricane which was sure to follow in a short space he added that the evil spirit was peculiarly exasperated at the audacity of such strangers as ascended the mountain to gaze at his place of punishment and that in consequence the magistrates of lucerne had prohibited any one from approaching mount pilatus under severe penalties antonio once more crossed himself as he finished his legend in which act of devotion he was imitated by his hearers two good catholics to entertain any doubt of the truth of the story how the accursed heathen scowls upon us said the younger of the merchants while the cloud darkened and seemed to settle on the brow of mount pilatus vade retro be thou defied sinner 
a rising wind rather heard than felt seemed to groan forth in the tone of a dying lion the acceptance of the suffering spirit to the rash challenge of the young englishman the mountain was seen to send down its rugged sides thick wreaths of heaving mist which rolling through the rugged chasms that seemed the grisly hill resembled torrents of rushing lava pouring down from a volcano the ridgy precipices which formed the sides of these huge ravines showed their splintery and rugged edges over the vapour as if dividing from each other the descending streams of mist which rolled around them as a strong contrast to this gloomy and threatening scene the more distant mountain range of rigi shone brilliant with all the hues of an autumnal sun while the travellers watched this striking and varied contrast which resembled an approaching combat between the powers of light and darkness their guide in his mixed jargon of italian and german exhorted them to make haste on their journey the village to which he proposed to conduct them he said was yet distant the road bad and difficult to find and if the evil one looking to mount pilatus and crossing himself should send his darkness upon the valley the path would be both doubtful and dangerous the travellers thus admonished gathered the capes of their cloaks close round their throats pulled their bonnets resolvedly over their brows drew the buckle of the broad belts which fastened their mantles and each with a mountain staff in his hand well shod with an iron spike they pursued their journey with unabated strength and undaunted spirit with every step the scenes around them appeared to change each mountain as if its firm and immutable form were flexible and varying altered in appearance like that of a shadowy apparition as the position of the strangers relative to them changed with their motions and as the mist which continued slowly though constantly to descend influenced the rugged aspect of the hills and valleys which it shrouded with its vapory mantle the nature of their progress too never direct but winding by a narrow path along the sinuosities of the valley and making many a circuit round precipices and other obstacles which it was impossible to surmount added to the wild variety of a journey in which at last the travellers totally lost any vague idea which they had previously entertained concerning the direction in which the road led them i would said the elder we had that mystical needle which mariners talk of that points ever to the north and enables them to keep their way on the waters when there is neither cape nor headland sun moon nor stars nor any mark in heaven or earth to tell them how to steer it would scarce avail us among these mountains answered the youth for though that wonderful needle may keep its point to the northern pole star when it is on a flat surface like the sea it is not to be thought it would do so when these huge mountains arise like walls betwixt the steel 
and the object of its sympathy i fear me replied the father we shall find our guide who has been growing hourly more stupid since he left his own valley as useless as you suppose the compass would be among the hills of this wild country canst tell my boy said he addressing antonio in bad italian if we be in the road we purposed if it please saint antonio said the guide who was obviously too much confused to answer the question directly and that water half covered with mist which glimmers through the fog at the foot of this huge black precipice is it still a part of the lake of lucerne or have we lighted upon another since we ascended that last hill antonio could only answer that they ought to be on the lake of lucerne still and that he hoped that what they saw below them was only a winding branch of the same sheet of water but he could say nothing with certainty dog of an italian exclaimed the younger traveller thou deservest to have thy bones broken for undertaking a charge which thou art as incapable to perform as thou art to guide us to heaven peace arthur said his father if you frighten the lad he runs off and we lose the small advantage we might have by his knowledge if you use your baton he rewards you with the stab of a knife for such is the humour of a revengeful lombard either way you are marred instead of helped hark thee hither my boy he continued in his indifferent italian be not afraid of that hot youngster whom i will not permit to injure thee but tell me if thou canst the names of the villages by which we are to make our journey to-day the gentle mode in which the elder traveller spoke reassured the lad who had been somewhat alarmed at the harsh tone and menacing expressions of his younger companion and he poured forth in his patois a flood of names in which the german guttural sounds were strangely intermixed with the soft accents of the italian but which carried to the hearer no intelligible information concerning the object of his question so that at length he was forced to conclude even lead on in our lady's name or in saint antonio's if you like it better we shall but lose time i see in trying to understand each other they moved on as before with this difference that the guide leading the mule now went first and was followed by the other two whose motions he had formerly directed by calling to them from behind the clouds meantime became thicker and thicker and the mist which had at first been a thin vapour now began to descend in the form of a small thick rain which gathered like dew upon the capotes of the travellers distant rustling and groaning sounds were heard among the remote mountains similar to those by which the evil spirit of mount pilatus had seemed to announce the storm the boy again pressed his companions to advance but at the same time threw impediments in the way of their doing so by the slowness and indecision which he showed in leading them on 
having proceeded in this manner for three or four miles which uncertainty rendered doubly tedious the travellers were at length engaged in a narrow path running along the verge of a precipice beneath was water but of what description they could not ascertain the wind indeed which began to be felt in sudden gusts sometimes swept aside the mist so completely as to show the waves glimmering below but whether they were those of the same lake on which their morning journey had commenced whether it was another and separate sheet of water of a similar character or whether it was a river or large brook the view afforded was too indistinct to determine thus far was certain that they were not on the shores of the lake of lucerne where it displays its usual expanse of waters for the same hurricane gusts which showed them water in the bottom of the glen gave them a transient view of the opposite side at what exact distance they could not well discern but near enough to show tall abrupt rocks and shaggy pine trees here united in groups and there singly anchored among the cliffs which overhung the water this was a more distinct landscape than the farther side of the lake would have offered had they been on the right road hitherto the path though steep and rugged was plainly enough indicated and showed traces of having been used both by riders and foot-passengers but suddenly as antonio with the loaded mule had reached a projecting eminence around the peak of which the path made a sharp turn he stopped short with his usual exclamation addressed to his patron saint it appeared to arthur that the mule shared the terrors of the guide for it started back put forwards its forefeet separated from each other and seemed by the attitude which it assumed to intimate a determination to resist every proposal to advance at the same time expressing horror and fear at the prospect which lay before it arthur pressed forward not only from curiosity but that he might if possible bear the brunt of any danger before his father came up to share it in less time than we have taken to tell the story the young man stood beside antonio and the mule upon a platform of rock on which the road seemed absolutely to terminate and from the farther side of which a precipice sank sheer down to what depth the mist did not permit him to discern but certainly uninterrupted for more than three hundred feet the blank expression which overcast the visage of the younger traveller and traces of which might be discerned in the physiognomy of the beast of burden announced alarm and mortification at this unexpected and as it seemed insurmountable obstacle nor did the looks of the father who presently after came up to the same spot convey either hope or comfort he stood with the others gazing on the misty gulf beneath them and looking all around but in vain for some continuation of the path which certainly had never been originally designed to terminate in this summary manner as they stood uncertain what to do next the sun in vain 
attempting to discover some mode of passing onward and the father about to propose that they should return by the road which had brought them hither a loud howl of the wind more wild than they had yet heard swept down the valley all being aware of the danger of being hurled from the precarious station which they occupied snatched at bushes and rocks by which to secure themselves and even the poor mule seemed to steady itself in order to withstand the approaching hurricane the gust came with such unexpected fury that it appeared to the travellers to shake the very rock on which they stood and would have swept them from its surface like so many dry leaves had it not been for the momentary precautions which they had taken for their safety but as the wind rushed down the glen it completely removed for the space of three or four minutes the veil of mist which former gusts had only served to agitate or discompose and showed them the nature and cause of the interruption which they had met with so unexpectedly the rapid but correct eye of arthur was then able to ascertain that the path after leaving the platform of rock on which they stood had originally passed upwards in the same direction along the edge of a steep bank of earth which had then formed the upper covering of a stratum of precipitous rocks but it had chanced in some of the convulsions of nature which take place in those wild regions where she works upon a scale so formidable that the earth had made a slip or almost a precipitous descent from the rock and been hurled downwards with the path which was traced along the top and with bushes trees or whatever grew upon it into the channel of the stream for such they could now discern the water beneath them to be and not a lake or an arm of a lake as they had hitherto supposed the immediate cause of this phenomenon might probably have been an earthquake not unfrequent in that country the bank of earth now a confused mass of ruins inverted in its fall showed some trees growing in a horizontal position and others which having pitched on their heads in their descent were at once inverted and shattered to pieces and lay a sport to the streams of the river which they had hitherfore covered with gloomy shadow the gaunt precipice which remained behind like the skeleton of some huge monster divested of its flesh formed the wall of a fearful abyss resembling the face of a newly wrought quarry more dismal of aspect from the rawness of its recent formation and from its being as yet uncovered with any of the vegetation with which nature speedily mantles over the bare surface even of her sternest crags and precipices besides remarking these appearances which tended to show that this interruption of the road had been of recent occurrence arthur was able to observe on the farther side of the river higher up the valley and rising out of the pine forests interspersed with rocks a square building of considerable height like the ruins of a gothic tower 
he pointed out this remarkable object to antonio and demanded if he knew it justly conjecturing that from the peculiarity of the site it was a landmark not easily to be forgotten by any who had seen it before accordingly it was gladly and promptly recognized by the lad who called out cheerfully that the place was geierstein that is as he explained it the rock of the vultures he knew it he said by the old tower as well as by a huge pinnacle of rock which arose near it almost in the form of a steeple to the top of which the lammergeier one of the largest birds of prey known to exist had in former days transported the child of an ancient lord of the castle he proceeded to recount the vow which was made by the knight of geierstein to our lady of ensidlen and while he spoke the castle rocks woods and precipices again faded in mist but as he concluded his wonderful narrative with the miracle which restored the infant again to its father's arms he cried out suddenly look to yourselves the storm the storm it came accordingly and sweeping the mist before it again bestowed on the travellers a view of the horrors around them i quoth antonio triumphantly as the gust abated old pontius loves little to hear of our lady of ensidlen but she will keep her own with him ave maria that tower said the young traveller seems uninhabited i can descry no smoke and the battlement appears ruinous it has not been inhabited for many a day answered the guide but i would i were at it for all that honest arnold biederman the landamon chief magistrate of the canton of unterwalden dwells near and i warrant you distressed strangers will not want the best that cupboard and cellar can find them wherever he holds rule i have heard of him said the elder traveller whom antonio had been taught to call signor philipson a good and hospitable man and one who enjoys deserved weight with his countrymen you have spoken him right signor answered the guide and i would we could reach his house where you should be sure of hospitable treatment and a good direction for your next day's journey but how we are to get to the vulture's castle unless we had wings like the vulture is a question hard to answer arthur replied by a daring proposal which the reader will find in the next chapter End of chapter 1